There's a saying that, that is attributed to Abraham Lincoln. It's, it's, it's given to him as his saying. It actually comes from the Bible. It's in Mark chapter 3. But the saying goes like this. A house divided cannot stand. Maybe you've heard that. A house divided cannot stand. I, I notice in the fall, maybe you notice as well, sometimes in the fall of the year when football season starts, uh, you'll be driving down the street and you'll see a house and there'll be a flag out in front of that house and that flag will have Texas on one side and OU on the other side of that flag. And it says at the bottom of that flag, a house divided. I always drive around, I see those flags around town and I always think, when I see that, man, I would hate to live in that house, mainly because that flag shows both of those people have no sense. <laughs> but I would hate to live in that house uh, because that's a true story, uh, because that is a house divided. Well, the, the verse says, and Abraham Lincoln said it, but the verse said it first, a house divided cannot stand. Uh, Today, our truth is that as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we can only have faith in and we can only commit to and we can only serve one system. And that's, that's the biblical reality. We can only commit to and have faith in and serve one system, either God's system or the world's System And understand, there is no middle ground in that. There is no compromise in that. Listen, for where you're sitting in your seat today, today you have either placed your faith in and you are committed to and you are serving God's cause or the opposite is true. You've placed your faith in and you're committed to and you're serving the world's cause. And that's, that's what the Bible says. There is no middle ground. You're either serving one system or you're serving the other system. There is no dual allegiance. So there is no dual alliance when it comes to this truth. You're either serving one of these systems or you're serving the other system. Now, let me, let me just tell you today, and I'm gonna be very honest. This is one of the main problems in Christian practice today. And that is this, we've been led to believe, and I don't know where it came from, I think it's just the natural tendency, but we've been led to believe that it is normal Christianity for us to to claim Jesus Christ and to put our hope in Jesus Christ and to put our faith in Jesus Christ when it comes to religious things or, or when it comes to eternal life or for sure when we're talking about going and spending eternity in heaven, that that we will talk about our faith in Jesus Christ, but at the same time, we're going to try to keep all of the world's things. And somehow we've been led to think that's, that's normal Christianity. Yes, you profess faith in Christ, but you also embrace all of the world's things as well. And you look at Christians today, those professing to be, they have one foot in this system, and sometimes they're heavy on that foot, and they're talking about that foot, but they also have a foot in the other system. And you watch the pattern of their life and they're sometimes very heavy on that foot as well. Well, be sure today, and I wanna tell you, we're gonna see it in our verses, that is not biblical Christianity. That is not what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus says that we take up our cross, we die to ourselves, and we follow him. There is no middle ground. Jesus says, we put our hand to the plow, we, turn, we do not turn back. There is no middle ground. So, so listen, be sure we do live in this world. We do work in this world. 
until Jesus comes back, until we pass away, all that we're going to know is this world. But also understand, as Christians, we are not of this world. Well, today in our verses, the Apostle John is going to tell us that as Christ's followers, uh, he, he's going to tell us, he's really going to show us what our relationship with this world looks like. We're going verse by verse through the book of First John. Again, he's writing this letter to the, to the Christian church. It's going to go to several churches. Uh, but he's going to show us in our verses today what our relationship with the world looks like. Now, I'm going to read the verses today. We're just going to look at three today. First John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. I'm going to read the verses. We'll come back and look at the verses. It says this, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. And if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. Verse 17, the world is passing away and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Now, remember the context here. It's a lot like our context today. Remember the context. It's very similar to what we're walking through today. False teachers have shown up. He's an older apostle at this time. False teachers have shown up. He hears their false teaching. Their false ideologies are being promoted even in the church, being embraced even in the church. Well, that doesn't make any sense. That's where the truth's at. But these false teachers have shown up, and now these false truths, these false ideologies are being embraced and even promoted in the church. And really the context here, it is a battle for the truth. Very similar to today. False teachers have shown up. False ideas of Christ. False, uh, false uh, concepts and doctrines have entered into the church. And the church has embraced it. And the church is promoting these things. And it is still a battle for the truth. Understand it's the same. It's a battle for the truth. Now let me show you this. How, how can you tell the difference in what is the truth and what is a lie? And that's what he's talking about here. How can we tell the difference and, and the two systems. Let me show you a couple of ways first off. The first is this, and I want you to think about these. The truth of Christ has an eternal focus, but the lie of the world has a temporary focus. And so you start to watch what's going on. If the, if the focus is on eternity, you know what? That's of Christ. But if the focus is on now, your best life now, every day's Friday, if the, if the focus is now, you know what? That's the lie of the world. That's what the world offers. The truth of Christ brings holiness, which that means we're just different. We're set aside. The truth of Christ brings holiness. The lie of the world breeds worldliness. The truth of Christ brings true hope, but the lie of the world is a false hope that never pays off. And I, I've seen this over and over again. You know what? If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, hard times come. Some of you know right here, hard times come. But you know what? Our hope still stands. But you know what? If you put your, if you put your eggs in the basket of a false hope, it never pays off. One of the places I see this most is at, are at funeral services. You can do the funeral for a saved person. And it may be hard, and it may be gut-wrenching, and the loss is terrible. But underneath all of that, we do not grieve as those who have no hope, and there's an underlying hope. But you watch the service for a person that didn't know Jesus Christ, and it is chaos. They are racked in, in grief. 
There is a hope that holds and there's a hope that never pays off. Another thing, the, the truth of Christ puts you at peace with God. You ever, you ever have, a, have a gnawing feeling that, you know what, something's not right in my relationship with God? The truth of Christ puts you at peace with God. The lie of the world sets you in opposition to God. If you're following the lie of the world, you're opposed. The Bible says you're actually an enemy of God. The truth of Christ is this. It may be hard now, but you know what? There's going to be great blessing later. The lie of the world is this. It may be great now, but coming later is devastation and destruction and death. See, they're exactly opposite. The truth of Christ is that it's Jesus-focused. And I think this may be the clearest one. The truth of Christ is when we're talking about it, we're talking about Christ. We're talking about hope. We're talking about Christ. We're talking about peace and eternal life. We're talking about Christ. But the lie of the world is you-focused. And I listen to these false teachers, and it's about you and your self-worth, and you're this, and you're that, and you're going to get this, and you're going to be blessed with that. Listen, the, the, the difference is as simple as this. One of them is Christ-focused, and the lie of the world is you-focused. That's what the world offers. Well, John says here there are two systems, there are two ways, there are two paths, God's way and the world's way, and the two do not mix. Now, let's look at the verses. Verse 15. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now understand verse 15. This is God's word. This is a command for those Christians living in the world today. They have the truth. We do. We have received the truth. That's how we're saved. Now we're to be standing up for the truth. And John says, for Christians trying to live in the world today, do not love the world or the things in the world. Now, I want to show you an interesting word. The word here for love is the New Testament word for love. When you, when you understand Christian love, New Testament love, it is the Greek word agape. It means this. It literally means this. To give yourself for. To sacrifice for. Now, that's what love is. It's not an emotion. It is giving yourself for somebody else. It is to sacrifice for. So the, the little translation is to give yourself for or to sacrifice for. Or the actual picture is this, trading yourself for. And so John says this, do not trade yourself for the world or the things of the world. What, what an awesome picture that is. Listen, as you go through life, don't trade yourself for this world, for the things of this world. How many of us today, this is what we do. We, we take our time and we take our hours and we take our effort and we take our thoughts and, and we, we take the days of our lives and we trade them for the things of this world. And you know what? You're working a job and you're sacking up money and you're buying things that aren't gonna last and you're watching things that aren't gonna last and that's where your investment is and, and that is the truth of we're burning up our days. We're loving the things of the world. Do not give yourself for the things of the world. Now, here's the hard part of the verse. It says this, if anyone loves the world, this is the Bible speaking, God speaking, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, get this this morning. This is, this is, the morning. This is what this is saying. He is saying that if your priority of the course of your life, if your priority is, are the things of the world, 
if your heart is chasing and tied to the things of the world, if your effort is spent for the things of the world, Jesus would say, if your treasure is in the things of the world, here's what the Bible says, you're lost. That's what it says, you're lost. If, that, if that's where your treasure is, that's where your priorities are, if that's what you're investing your time and your breath in, the Bible says this, you are lost. Let me just tell you something, and I, I like this, it's hard, but let me just tell you, in a world today where the truth is being distorted, in a world today where people are wishy-washy, in a world today when, when they say, two months ago that the dictator in North Korea is this and this and this and he's killed this many people and two months later they say he's a great man and we, we like his personality in a world when you can't trust anybody's word I'm glad that God says it's as plain as this. You know what? We ought to be just as sure. If we say it, we ought to be able to say it. God says here, you know what? The world's not telling you the truth. Let me tell you the truth. If your heart chases the things of the world there is no middle ground. He says this, you're, you're lost means this, if your heart hasn't changed and because of that your priority hasn't changed and because of that your character hasn't changed, because of that the desires of how, how you're going to spend your time, if those things haven't changed, if your heart hasn't changed, the truth is this, you're not saved. You do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what the verse says. Move to verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. Now listen to the verse. It says, for, for all, if, if, you're, if your whole set up, if your whole priority set is based upon the things of the world, here's the truth about the world. For all that is in the world, that's what it says. And then it gives us a description. The lust of the flesh now, I want you to think about these categories, and I want you to think about the day we're living in. The lust of the flesh is the desire for what your body wants. That's the flesh, our human body. The desire for what your flesh wants. That's, that's of the world. Now, we, we, we think about that, we think, well, that's sexual. Uh, it is sexual, but it's a lot more than sexual. Listen to Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Here's a pretty good description. Paul's talking here. It says this. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, putting things above God, sorcery, drug use, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, can't get along with anybody, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like this which I forewarn you. And if you practice these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, that's a description of what it is for the, for the lust of the flesh, the things that your body wants, the things that your body desires. It says this, the lust of the eyes. Now think about this in our day. The lust of your eyes is being discontent. It is longing for wanting, desiring the things that you see. The, the lust of the eyes is living in a state of dissatisfaction. Now listen, it, it could take a whole lot of forms here. It could be pornography. You're looking at pornography. You're not satisfied with what you have. You want that. And so you're, you're not satisfied. It's the lust of your eyes. It could be all of the stuff that we see. The things that we desire. The things that we look at and our heart longs for those things. Let me tell you the truth and I believe this. 
Bible says it. What goes into your eyes impacts your heart. That's a pretty big truth. That's a pretty big deal. You mean it's as simple as that? Listen, what goes into your eyes impacts your heart. And if your heart has not been changed by a faith relationship in Jesus Christ, you begin to be mastered by the things that your eyes are longing for. Now, what that means is this, and and think about the world system. It means it's never enough. It's never enough money. It's never enough fun. It's never enough stuff. It's never enough. It's never enough. It's never good enough. You've got two businesses, you want four businesses. You've got three bank accounts full, you want six bank accounts full. You're taking two-week vacations, you want a four-week vacation. You got this car, you want that car. You got this neighborhood, you want that neighborhood. It is never enough. The lust of your eyes means that you go through life and you're never satisfied. Doesn't that look like our world today? The, The last one is this, the boastful pride of life. Now this means as simple as simple as this, arrogance, just straight up arrogance. This is the desire to be known as better than somebody else. Now, now how do we do that? We usually do it in our status that we give each other. But this is the desire to say, you know what, I'm smarter than you. I'm richer than you. I'm faster than you. I'm better looking than you. I'm better than you. This is selfish self-promotion. This is look at me and build me up and tear you down. Arrogance, straight up arrogance. That's That's the day we're living in. That is our time. And the Bible says of all of these things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, our arrogance that wells up inside us, it says these things are not from God. So you know what? If you're operating according to those things, those aren't from God. Those things are from the world. Now I want you to again see the distinction here. He's making very clear there are the ways of God and there are the ways of the world and the two cannot mix. They do not mix. Listen, that's the problem with us today. We're trying to mix the two. We're trying to hold one and maybe take a little bit of the other end. We're trying to to grab this and also grab a hold of that. Listen, we cannot profess faith in Jesus Christ and live with our hearts in the world. That's what the apostle says, verse 17. The world is passing away and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Here's the truth of verse 17. Jesus said it, we know it. None of this is gonna last. Do you understand that none of this is gonna last? None of this is gonna last. Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? There, there was a time when I was in my younger years when I actually thought, you know what, I'm going to gain the whole world. I'm, I'm going to play football at Texas Tech University. I'm going to come back and I'm going to get this and I'm going to rent that farm and I'm going to buy that farm and I'm going to have this many rent houses and I'm going to stack up a retirement account and I'm going to take vacations and I'm going to move into that neighborhood. Listen, it says, what would it profit a man? Jesus says, if he gains the whole world. What if you actually pulled it off? I think about that. What if you actually pulled it off? What if you got the job you wanted? What if you got the wife you wanted? What if you got the house you wanted? What if you got the money you wanted? What if you got the acclaim you wanted? What if you were Deion Sanders and anything you wanted, it was all stacked up against your name? What if you actually pulled it all off and your heart quit one day? Maybe you had a heart attack. Maybe a car pulled out in front of you and you forfeited your soul 
And as they shut the casket and as they crank it shut, none of it carries forward. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole dadgum world and loses his soul? John says this world is passing away. This world is passing away. But it says this, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Now, I want you to understand this. It's not talking about we're saved by doing the will of God. There's some that act like that. Well, if I can do enough good things that I might be saved. It's not saying that. What it is saying is this. We are saved. And when you understand that you ought not be saved, when you understand that Jesus came, he lived a sinless life, and he died for my sorry self, and he died for your sorry self, and they nailed him to a Roman cross, and his blood runs out, and the anger of God towards sin is poured out upon him. They whip him across the back. They pull the beard out of his face. They put him in a grave. He's dead for my penalty, for my sin. Three days later, he comes out of the grave. He's risen. He's reigning as the king. By God's grace, if I put my faith in him, I will be saved. When I am saved, listen to me, my heart changes, my desires change, my priorities change, and my burning desire in my heart is to live in the will of God. I've done a lot of stupid things. You know what? I, I want to live in the will of God. I want to wake up and God say, you know what? He's trying to be obedient. He's trying to honor me. I want to go to bed at night and say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry for my sin, but Lord, I pray that you could take the day that I walked through and it would point to my Savior, Jesus. Here's the call of today's message. It's this. We're about done. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have to be different and we have to live different and we have to start thinking differently because we are different. And we can't compromise and we can't sell out and we can't conform to a sorry world that's passing away. We have a new system, God's system. We have a new Savior, Jesus. We have a new Lord, Jesus Christ. And we are called to be different. John says this. There's a bunch of mistruth going around. You know what? It's time for us to stand up on the truth. It's time to start to look like the truth. Listen, today, it's time for the men in this room going into Father's Day to be different in our marriages, to be different how we raise our kids, to be different in the service of the Lord, to be different how we see and, and treat our church. It's time that we're different. It's time that we're different. I'm going to read the verses again. It says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. The world is passing away and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Let us be those men. I'm going to ask if you'll stay and I'll lead us in a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Glad you're here. Be back next week. Bring somebody with you. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come today and I'm thankful for you and I'm thankful for your grace. I'm thankful for your forgiveness. I'm thankful for the righteousness of Christ that becomes mine, not because I kept a set of rules, not because I impressed anybody, but because of faith in my Savior, Jesus. I pray for men in this room as they hear this, as they hear this, uh, this, this word of God, these words of, of Christ, of God, our, of our hope. I pray that as, as they're sitting here and some of them might be convicted but you know what? I, I'm not a follower of Christ. 
My priority set hasn't changed. My heart hasn't changed. I pray the result, Lord, will be that in this day, they would turn, they would put their faith in Jesus Christ. And then I pray for this, for those that are, that are here that have put their faith in Jesus. I pray that we would be different. I pray that we would start to stand up. I pray that we would, we would look to the truth of God's word. We would start to mirror it. We start to live it out in our homes, our marriages, and our lives. And I pray that it could truly be said, our hearts have changed, so our lives have changed. All of the glory of our Savior Jesus. We love you, we thank you, we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.